In verse 22, we've been meditating and you've been thinking through it every day. Let's, let's read it again. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Remember this statement? As we learn the Word of God and apply it to our lives, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and makes us more like Jesus so that we can have the blessings of God. That's the whole point of this passage. Uh, as you renew your mind, that means you take God's Word and hide it in your heart. You apply it to your life. You know the word heart in the Bible is a, a general word with a very specific meaning. It's a broad term, but it, it, it has the idea of, of the person you are in your thoughts and your emotions and your decisions, your will. It's intellect, emotions, and will all summed up in one word. So as we learn the Word of God, we're applying it to our heart, meaning to our thinking. Our goal is that when I think, I think what is true according to God's Word. My emotions are governed by God's Word. The decisions I make in life are governed by God's Word. That's the point of that first line. As we learn the Word of God and apply it to our heart or, or to our lives, the Bible says we hide in our heart. Um, the Holy Spirit then takes the Word of God and uses it to make us more like Jesus. And when that happens, then we have the blessings of God in our life. And how many of you still want the blessings of God? Are you still thinking that this week? It's what I want more than anything in the world. God's joy and love and peace and favor and goodness and kindness. Uh, that's God's plan for you, His desire for you. And this is the key to having it, what you see on the screen right there. And then, of course, yesterday, oh, wait a minute, Tuesday rather, we were in verse 25, putting away lying Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I guess that was yesterday, wasn't it? And then we're down in verse 29. We looked at that one. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. We, we talked about that. And uh, today we're in verse 26 and 27, as well as 31 and 32. Verse 26, be ye, what's the word? Verse 26, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your, your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm going to take verse 26 and 27, verse 31 and verse 32 today, and I'm going to preach a message entitled, Confronting Your Issues. Confronting Your Issues issues. All right, now, I want you to smile at the person beside you and don't get carried away. Smile at the person beside you. Say, hey, pal, you got issues. All right, now look at me and look at the text. Here it is, verse 26. Be ye what? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If I were to ask you this morning, how many of you know somebody that has a problem with anger? Most of us. Look at that. Oh, yes, I know. And if I were to say this morning, how many of you, it's you. Some of you would be like, yep, that's me. How many of you ever seen somebody get angry and do something really stupid? Don't we all? Have we all seen that? So anger is a terrible issue in our lives, so we want to confront that issue. Literally two issues I'm going to talk to you about today. The issues of anger and the issue of bitterness. Two huge issues that all of us deal with. All of us do. All of us are susceptible to them. 
all of us struggle with them and these are issues where the enemy especially is good at defeating me and you and so we gotta we gotta overcome it that verse 31 just lists issue after issue after issue after issue and I thought it'd be good to start by defining those words uh, the word bitterness in verse 31 is literally in the in the Greek language acid or poison we get our words acid and poison from that that uh, Greek language word bitterness the word wrath is the word fierceness and in the Greek word has the idea of breathing hard you ever seen somebody get angry and uh, they breathe hard that's the idea of that word it's inherent in the word and then there's the word anger it's violent passion uh, that word uh, that, that word is the person that blows up and does something really dumb like punches a concrete wall that wall didn't move, but their hand sure felt it. It's like, that was, a, that was a dumb thing to do, right? Punches a concrete wall. And then there's, there's clamor. Uh, that's the word. Uh, it's related. Notice, notice it's building. All of these are related words. The word clamor is an outcrying or a tumult. Th this, is, this is how bitterness, wrath, and anger can show up. Because sometimes when you get mad, you raise your voice, and you let words flow out that you should have kept inside. The word evil speaking is that railing against you are so stupid you wouldn't have said that if you weren't angry if you hadn't had bitterness in your heart the word malice is wickedness Let, let's let's take um, let's take the issue of anger first three things this passage tells you about the issue of anger he says be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil obviously according to this text anger leads to sin how many of you have ever lost your temper and said something you would never have said had you not lost your temper? You know what happened? Your anger led to sin. That's how anger is. It always does that. Uh, anger not only leads to sin, it has this tendency to linger longer than it should. Here's what we, we tend to do in our, in our day. We, we get angry. It's an emotion, which is why the Bible says, be ye angry. He's acknowledging the fact that this is an emotion that you and I will battle with. Yes, our emotions get involved. Yes, we feel very strongly at times about things. It's normal when somebody offends you to get a little bothered about it. He's acknowledging that in the text. Be angry. He's not giving us an imperative here. Get angry. That's not what he's saying. He's acknowledging this is an issue in our life, anger. He's reminding us that it leads to sin. And he's reminding us that we shouldn't let it linger. Which is why he said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. We can miss part of the idea of that phrase because when you and I think of the sun going down we think of bedtime because we go to bed that's the end of our day in the Jewish culture the new day started at sundown so literally what the Bible is saying to the Jewish culture of that day is if you've battled your emotions during the day don't start a new day until you've dealt with that and, and, and literally, there's a, a little bit of a play on words here. There, there was one of the cultures of Paul's day, and uh, they, they had this saying that had the idea of uh, don't, let the, don't, don't let your emotions in until you've taken your brother by the hands. So the idea, the idea is I'm, I'm bothered at some person. I'm really upset at them. They're, they're really, really, really bothering me. Come here, pal, and, and help me illustrate that. Come here. Yes, sir. Bring your white hat and come on. Come on, real fast, come on, I gotta stand over here. And what's your name again? Malachi. Malachi. This is uh, Malachi right here. Stand right here, but the idea is Malachi and I have had a problem. And uh, we're upset. I'm upset. He offended me. He wore a white hat. 
and it really bothered me, and I got angry at him. He offended me. But the idea, it's going to be a little weird, but this is the idea. The idea is I'm not to come to the end of the day until I take my brother by the hands and say, you know what, I'm really sorry you and I had a problem today, and I want you to forgive me. You forgive me? You will. God bless you. <laughs> so see, so see that's, a, that's the idea. Now here's what happens. Here's what happens in the average teenager's life. We get mad at mom and dad. We go to bed mad. We get up mad. We stay mad. We get mad again. I mean, you know what exponents are? Anger is exponential. So the second time I get anger in my life, put a little to the power of two. Put it up there to the power of three. Some of you in this room struggle so badly with anger because the only way to describe your anger is anger to the power of, some of you might be a hundred or more because you've never taken care of it. God's plan is that you and I control our emotions the way to the, to the point that never a day comes to an end where there's aught between me and a friend or me and a brother. I start every new day right with everybody in my life. And most of us struggle with that. Thank you, uh, Malachi. You can have a seat there. And so the Bible tells us then, yes, you can give him applause. The issue of anger, it leads to sin. It lingers longer than it should. And it opens the door for the enemy. The enemy loves to take anger and build on it. Which is why the Bible says in relation to your anger, don't give place to the devil. The reason some of you struggle so badly in so many areas is because of your anger. It's opened the door. The enemy has an inroad into your life and into your habits and into your family and into your relationships. The Bible is letting you know that this is a massive issue that you ought to be aware of. I, 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 uh, I got to tell you, I know a lot about anger because uh, I come from a family that's had, had issues with anger. My grandmother, uh, she's in heaven now as far as I know, and uh, my grandmother was, was uh, a rough lady. She was uh, over six foot tall. And uh, she was a, a quite a large woman. And I don't mean a, a, in the sense of heavy. She weighed well over 200 pounds. I mean in the sense that she could whip you. I mean, she could whip any guy in this room. She was a tough woman. And uh, she carried a pistol. I'm serious. I'm not making that up. My grandmother had a temper that was legendary. She lost her temper one day when I was in the sixth grade. I remember this. She lost her temper at her daughter-in-law, pulled out her pistol, and shot at her three times. I'm serious. My grandmother went to jail for shooting at her daughter-in-law three times. Isn't that embarrassing? I go to school and the kids are like, because I lived in a small town, I go to school and the kids are like, is that your grandmother? It was embarrassing. Boy, she had a temper. Oh, my soul. Can you imagine? Getting so mad that you'd do that? This is my grandmother. She was, a, she was a, an angry woman. My dad got that temper. My dad has terrible temper. When I was a kid, you guys grew up in the generation where you had to be in car seats. When I was a kid, we hadn't advanced that far. And uh, uh, we didn't have to be in car seats. We used to ride. Uh, my, my parents had a car, and, and behind the back seat, there was this little shelf up there where the window was. And we used to ride down the road laying up there in the, and looking up at the stars at night. It was a cool thing. 
We used, to, we used to ride, I used to ride with my dad's truck standing in the front seat at 55 miles an hour. It's amazing I survived. I was in my dad's truck one day. I was not very old, but I remember standing in the truck and dad's driving to town and I'm standing beside him in the front seat, you know, there's no seat belts, there's no, we didn't, we didn't do that back then. We were men and, uh, or boys, I guess, uh, but I was standing in the front seat and we came around this curve and we lived way out in the country and there were these two guys and they had stalled their cars or they had stopped their cars. They were talking to each other. In fact, one of the guys is outside his car leaned up against the fender like this and he's having a conversation with his buddy. Well, we can't get around him. There's ditches on each side. And they're blocking the road. And normal, the normal thing to do would be like, oh, there's a car there and pull your car out of the way so the car could go on. And he looked over and saw my dad's truck. You know, we're waiting to go and he just kept talking to his buddy. He just kind of ignored us. My dad rolled down his window Stuck his head out the window and said, hey man, move your car. The guy said to my dad, ah, shut up. And I will never forget this. My dad hit the emergency brake, boom, jumped out of his truck, grabbed that guy and beat the devil out of him. I mean, smacked him around. I mean, just, they, they threw it down, man. I mean, they went at it. My dad was like, boom, boom, and, and, uh, and I just, I mean, whipped the daylights out of him and then picked him up and shook him and said, I said, move your car, and he did. <laughs> my dad's temper was kind of legendary. We were farmers, and one day my dad bought this, uh, this, this uh, mule. I don't know why we bought a mule. Uh, you can't eat them. You don't milk them. I don't know what we're going to do with a mule, and uh, he bought this mule, went to get it, and my dad had a pickup truck, and he put these rails on the back of his pickup truck. Some of you have seen pickup trucks do that, maybe. And then he had, a, you know, the tailgate came down, the door opened, and there was a ramp, and he pulled the ramp out, and, and he went and lassoed the mule and put a makeshift halter on the mule and let her, the mule followed him right over. And then my dad stood beside the, the ramp and, and uh, you know, started easy. The mule got on the ramp, and I don't know exactly what happened to the, the, the old mule, uh, it, it wouldn't go in the truck. It stood on the ramp. Wouldn't go off the ramp. Wouldn't go in the truck. Just stood on the ramp. And my dad, uh, you know, my dad, uh, he uh, he got in front of it, crawled up there, and tried to pull it on. And the mule wheel buckled down. He's not moving. And my dad crawled off and smacked it on the backside, and it flinched a little bit, but it wouldn't move. It just stood there. He couldn't get the the mule in the truck. He couldn't get it off the ramp. It just stood there. My dad got this brilliant idea. I will push it on. So my dad got behind the mule, put his hands on its backside, buckled himself down here, you know, got his footing good, started pushing the mule up the ramp. Well, apparently the mule didn't like being touched there <laughs> because it kicked the fire out of my dad. That mule just, I mean, like, boom! And my dad went bouncing out into the gravel there in the driveway and lost his temper. Well, he didn't lose it. It was right there. We could see it. <laughs> and I remember my dad jumped up. It was obvious he was mad. His face is red. His nostrils are flaring. He was over to the side of the truck. He crawls up on the tire, goes up the rail, gets in front of the mule, and he says to the mule, I've had it with you. And my dad took his fist. This is the absolute truth. My dad goes, I've had it with you. Boom! Right between the eyes. And the little old mule went, and then it went in the back of the truck. I was a little boy, I'm sitting here watching this, and my dad says, all right, boy, get in the truck. I did. 
I even buckled in. Four seatbelts were a law. I mean, this is just take no chances. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I talk about my dad, you guys laugh. Do you want to know something? You got an anger issue? Nobody's laughing. I can laugh about that story now. We didn't laugh when we were kids. You got an angry dad? You're not laughing. You got an angry brother or sister? You're not laughing. You got an anger issue? Nobody's laughing. Because your anger is a terrible issue to have in your life. I remember the day my dad came home from church, called a family meeting and sat us down and apologized for his anger and said to our family, I just want you to know, God spoke to me about it and it's wrong and by God's grace and God's help, I'm going to overcome it. And I, can I tell you something? He did. If you were to meet my dad, if you were to meet my dad now, my son Jacob is here. He can tell you the truth about this. He would agree with me. My dad's the most gentle, calm. God gave him victory. Just like God wants to give you victory. He did. My dad's so calm now. Nothing phase, nothing bothers him. Nothing. He'll take his false teeth out and let you play with him. I mean, the guy just, nothing bothers the man. Nothing at all bothers the man. God wants you to overcome the issue of anger in your life. Some months ago in my devotions, I uh, keep a journal and, and uh, I was thinking about anger one day in my devotions. And, and uh, I know sometimes anger is debatable in Christianity. Sometimes people can think weird ways about anger. One guy said to me one time, oh, come on, he said, Jesus got angry. And I said to him, he did. But sir, you're not Jesus. Jesus was without sin. You're not. Which is why James says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You and, I, you and I in our culture love anger. You guys get on social media. And it's not just teenagers, adults get on social media. If there's a preacher who makes videos on social media and he's always angry and he's on there and he's really blowing it up and he, and he, may, be, he may be saying things I agree with, but he's blowing it up and he's got an angry spirit. And I'll tell you one thing about so-and-so on the news. And his anger will get viral attention. That video will go viral because of anger. And our generation handles everything by anger. I didn't get my way. And then we throw a fit. We see a child in Walmart blowing up. You've seen kids in your school on the ball team who didn't get their way. The ref made a bad call. Imagine that. That refs could make a bad call. And a teenager gets mad and throws a little fit, a, a little temper tantrum. Anger doesn't work the righteousness of God, and it never has. And I would say to you young people, you, you ought not to share a video that's got some guy on it who's angry. There, there's, there's one man I know, and, and he's, a, uh, he's a friend of mine, and, uh, and I don't say this at all to be mean. But he has made a, quite a name for himself with his angry posts on social media. Recently, he's a pastor friend of mine. 
Recently, his wife left him. Now, I don't know the whole story. I don't. I hurt for him. I feel for him. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I do. I hurt for him. But I can't help but think the anger that has got his, gotten his videos shared thousands of times has to have a negative effect on his marriage. Anger will do that in a life. Just like anger is tearing some of your lives apart and some of your homes apart. Here's what the Bible says about anger. I wrote all these verses down. In Proverbs 14, he said that um, he that is soon angry deals foolishly. In Proverbs 14, verse 29, he that is slow to wrath has great understanding. In Proverbs 15, a soft answer turns away wrath. In Proverbs 15, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, if you're slow to anger, you're better than a mighty man. In Proverbs 19, verse 11, if you have discretion, it causes you to defer anger. If you have anger, Proverbs 19, verse 19 says, you'll suffer. Proverbs 21, 19, uh, the Bible says a man runs from an angry woman. Proverbs 21, 21, wrath is connected to pride and scorning. We're commanded in Proverbs 22 to not be friends with an angry man. Don't be a friend with an angry man. Proverbs 27.4, anger makes no sense and is the mark of a fool. Proverbs 27.22, an angry man causes multiple problems for himself and others. I wrote beside of this on the other page that anger is a very selfish act. It accomplishes nothing worthwhile, nothing. It reveals a lack of self-control. It makes us look silly. It makes us look weak. It prevents the desired outcome and makes matters worse. By God's grace and God's help, you and I that are battling anger, we've got to get in God's Word. We've got to hide God's Word in our heart. We've got to allow the Word of God to control this emotion in our life so that we don't blow up and make matters worse. We actually have control in our life through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit so that we can defeat this matter in our life. God doesn't want you to grow up and be an angry person who does to your children what some of your dad has done to you. Some of you kids in this room are wounded because your dad has an anger issue. And I don't mean this to be mean, but you're headed down that exact path and you're going to do the same thing to your children that you hate that your dad has done to you unless you deal with the issue of anger. I got to close because there's also the issue of bitterness. Bitterness remembers the word acid, uh, poison. Um, it's... Uh, in essence, it's blame. See, I don't know if I'm bitter or not. Well, examine the idea of blame or the experience of a bad taste. Have you ever had a bad taste in your mouth? How many of you, uh, this is going to be a blessing to you. Y'all ready for this? How many of you ever gotten sick at your stomach? How many of you ever gotten sick at your stomach, sick at your stomach and what was in your stomach came up and out? Did that ever happen to you? Remember that taste? And you can't get rid of it. It kind of sticks in the back of your throat and you're, and you taste it. Have you ever, how many of you ever taken multivitamin? You ever taken multivitamin? Have you ever chewed one? 
You ever taken the lid off of a multivitamin jar and smelled it? And it just kind of makes you do that, <coughs> that, that feeling. When I was a kid, I couldn't swallow pills. You know, like I could take an aspirin, I couldn't do it, I had to chew it. And uh, I remember my mom decided we needed multivitamins in our life. I've basically forgiven her for this. I couldn't swallow it. My mom made me chew it. I spent like six months of my life chewing multivitamins. Every day was agony. It tasted so bad. Some of you have experiences in your life. I'm not undermining the experience or minimizing the experience at all. But you have experiences in your life that's full of blame and bad tastes. I can't believe what they did. I can't believe what she said. That's bitterness. Why would God do that? Why, God, would you do that? It's bitterness. It's blame. It's bad taste. When that, that thought, that person, that experience comes to your mind, it leaves a bad taste in your entire day. Some of you lie awake at night over an experience you've had, and it's a bad taste in your life, and it's eating at you. That's bitterness. And here's the causes of bitterness. Things like my parents' divorce, my unhappy home, the death of someone I cared about, an authority figure who let me down, a frustrating purity battle. All of these can be causes of divorce. You know these. You don't have to write them down. You know them. Some of you, your parents divorced, you've not yet gotten over, and in a sense, you never will. You will always have to face that issue that dad and mom split up, and, and you've had to do that bounce back and forth, and all the emotions, and dad's not been there at times, and mom's not been there at times, and it can cause bitterness. An unhappy home will do that. Some of your dads work so hard at church, and they're so spiritual at church, but at home, they're busy. They're not interested in you. It's not happy at home, and that can cause bitterness. The death of someone I cared about, that's a hard one. Twice, my Bethley and I, my, my Bethley and I, we've held a baby that didn't live. Babies are wonderful, and we wanted ten children. We only have five. Two of our children were born dead. That was opportunity for bitterness in our life. I got to tell you, kids, I'm not a perfect daddy. But I would have tried really hard to love those boys and raise them for Jesus. I don't know why God didn't let us have them. There's no answer. But bitterness is not the answer. The death of someone you love. How about these? A betrayal. You ever been betrayed by a friend or a parent or an authority figure? A situation that doesn't seem fair. A matter where I struggle to be happy. These are all causes of bitterness. Someone said that bitterness is drinking poison in hopes that it will kill the person who wronged me. There's no way to live. What's the answer to bitterness? I need to think the truth. It's fine to have an awareness of the issue in my heart. I know it happened. I know it happened. Mom and dad got a divorce. 
God took my grandpa, God took my brother, God took my sister. It happened. Someone hurt me. It happened. There's an awareness of the issue. But also, if I'm going to think the truth, there needs to be an awareness that God didn't cause this. It's not that God says, I hate you, and I'm going to cause your parents to get a divorce. God didn't do that. That's the result of sin. God loves you. God cares about you. God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and joy and favor and blessing. Sin undermines what God plans for your life. But God doesn't cause all this in your life. Don't buy the idea that, oh my word, God, God took my brother. God wasn't surprised by your brother's death or your mom and dad's divorce. But God doesn't cause the evil in our lives. That's the result of the sin-cursed world. Think the truth. And remember, have an awareness that Jesus Christ cares and wants to help you through this. When the Bible says, I'm to put off the old man, he's telling me, get rid of the anger in my life. Get the Word of God in my life so that I can put on self-control where I'm not blowing up and embarrassing myself and making difficult matters worse I've got to think the truth. When it comes to my bitterness in my life, I've got to think the truth. Yes, this issue is there. The Bible says I I need to, to, to be aware of it. It's not that I can get rid of it. It's there, but God didn't cause it. God didn't do that. That's God is love. God is caring. God is good. God is kind. God is gracious. God is merciful. And I need an awareness that Jesus Christ cares. He does. The Bible says casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Recognize that. Let's talk about this cure. The Bible says in our, in, our, in our text that the cure for bitterness is that we're to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's throw some forgiveness truths at you and our time will be gone. Forgiveness does not make what happened okay. When I, when I say, you want to overcome your bitterness? This is not to say, okay, okay, I'm really upset about this, so I'll forgive, and now it's okay. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness doesn't take what happened to you and make it okay. It doesn't do that. Watch this. Forgiveness does not mean the hurt is gone. If you got a pain in your heart because of your parents' divorce, you can forgive what happened, but the hurt won't go away necessarily. Forgiveness does not remove the hurt. In fact, you could, in a sense, hurt the rest of your life. The rest of your life, there will be times when that situation will flood your memory. Something will be said, or you will see a person, or someone will bring up something that will remind you of what happened, and that hurt will be raw. You'll feel it again. Forgiveness doesn't mean the hurt is gone. There was a situation I faced a number of years ago that that was very hurtful to me. It was very hurtful. And oddly enough, it's been over 10 years ago now, but oddly enough, someone brought it up recently. I've forgiven. I'm not bitter. I've grown through it. I I really believe I can honestly and sincerely tell you that because of the steps I've taken, it's made me more like Jesus in some areas of my life. But someone brought it up, and I was slightly embarrassed because when they brought it up, tears came to my eyes. 
that hurt's still there a little bit. See, forgiveness doesn't take the hurt away. Watch this one. Forgiveness releases the debt they likely can never pay anyway. What they did to me, they owe me for that. You owe me for that. I can't believe you would do that. You owe me. You owe me. What you did was wrong. You ought to pay for that. Got to tell you something. There's no way they can pay for it. They can't. Cannot be paid. It cannot. It cannot. Forgiveness does not make them pay. Forgiveness releases the debt that likely they could never pay anyway. Forgiveness says, you know what? You owe me and you were wrong, but I'm not going to allow that to defeat my life. I release you of the debt. You don't owe me anymore. You couldn't pay it if you had to. There's no way you can make this right. You can't. It just is, you can't pay this debt. My heart will never be the same. That hurt will always be there. I can't change what happened, but I will not hold it against you. I am not going to hold it and always wish I could make you pay because you can't. So I'm, I'm not even dealing with that. I release the debt. That's forgiveness. And there's one more. There's one more here. Forgiveness provides freedom to the one who is hurt. And that's the whole point of you taking the Word of God and finding healing. So if you're wounded this morning and you're hurt and you got bitterness in your life, then here's what the Bible's trying to tell you. Forgive them and be kind to them. Because here's what it does. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't make it any better necessarily because that situation will always be wrong and will always be bad. But here's what it will do. It, it will provide freedom to you. Because I said, I'm not going to hold that against you anymore. I'm done with it. Yes, bring it up and I may get tears in my eyes. But I've released the debt. You know what I have now? I have freedom. Every time I see that person, I don't have to go. I can't believe that. When I see that person, I can say, hello, how you doing? And mean it. It's the truth. I can pray for them. God I know they did me wrong, but you love them, bless them, meet their needs. If I were to ask you today, how many in this room have an issue with anger, many of you would say, I do. Can I challenge you this morning to get the Word of God into your heart, into your mind, into your life, and overcome that issue by the power of the Holy Spirit? You're going to have to memorize some verses. You're going to have to ask the Spirit of God to fill you and and strengthen you and help you because you can't do it on your own. If I ask you this morning, how many of you young people have bitterness in your life? Listen, I know many of you do. Life in our generation is so full of hurt and so full of error and so full of wickedness and so full of wrong and so filled with selfishness that it's very common probably in every section of this auditorium, every section of this auditorium would be young people who have an issue that's been bitter and it's a bad taste and it hurts and you're wounded because of it. But I'm telling you, if you'll let the Spirit of God come into your life today through the Word of God and you'll get God's Word in your life and pray these verses and ask the Spirit of God to heal you and to help you and to lead you and guide you, He can bring healing to your life he can bring self-control to your life. And young people, you will be more like Jesus. And the result will be that you can have the blessings of God. And that's exactly what God wants for you. Now, we're going to go to God and I time. But before we do, I want to tell you one more thing. Some of you, your anger issue is big enough that you need help. Pray about it during the God and I time. But let a counselor encourage you and help you to find some verses this week. Some of your bitterness is huge. It's huge. It's astronomical. So you need to get with your counselor and say, you know what? I've never told anybody this, 
and, and share it. There's something special about sharing it so that someone can say, you know what, I care, God cares, and help you find verses that you can memorize relative to your situation that the Spirit of God can take those verses in your life and help you to overcome the issue of bitterness in your life. Have I made sense this morning? Y'all with me on this? May God speak to your heart and lead you and guide you as you go to God in night time. Father, bless us now as we look into your word personally. Speak to us. Encourage us. Lead us. Bring healing today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen.